How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to Hashtag Spread the Sand Season 2. This is one of my favorite episodes to record because it's with a few of my buddies, Mike Delaney, Blake Eshelman, and Poopis, who all make up the hosts of MLS Gone Wild. MLS Gone Wild is a MLS-based podcast that goes over statistics, game highlights, transfer rumors, and more. These guys do a great job, and you know the reason I brought them on is so we could discuss what beach soccer would look like if MLS sponsored teams, if the MLS promoted beach soccer through beach soccer-specific events, and all that great stuff. So I loved having this conversation with them. Uh, a couple more things before we get into this episode. We are now in a partnership with Tough Socks. Tough Socks are a form-fitted sock for beach sports that have grip on them and protect your feet from hot sand, cold sand, or just getting torn up in general. So if you are interested, head over to toughsocks.com and use code SPREADTHESAND for 35% off your pair of Tough Socks. Please feel free to like, rate, and review. It helps the show out more than you know. Hashtag SPREADTHESAND. Season 2, Episode 4, MLS Gone Wild. The one question I wanted to ask you all that I feel like starts it off great, and each of you can kind of give your own reasoning behind it, but what is MLS Gone Wild's why for you guys? Like, why a podcast? Why MLS? Chuck, I'll go ahead and let you start it off. All right, so, hey, guys. Uh, Welcome to Spread the Sand. Dylan, thanks for having us on here. It's a pleasure. Uh, he's our resident Orlando City supporter, ex-teammate, and good friend. So, Dylan, before we get into our why and what MLS Gone Wild is, thank you. But for me, it's really simple. Why podcasting? Why the MLS? I'm talking about the game I love with people I love with Poopas to Mike D. We all share a common appreciation for the beautiful game and found podcasting as a way to share our appreciation and help grow this small MLS community that we're a part of. You wouldn't be able to tell by the amount of bantering that you guys do between each other that you, you're all love and family, but I can appreciate that for sure. Oh, it's mainly Poopus. Poopus likes to stir the pot. We could tell by the group text leading into this, this episode here. Poopus, I feel like you, you got you to gotta speak your name here. I gotta mix. I gotta keep like D and Blum on their toes. Like I don't know. You can't. You can't have a whole episode. You can't have a whole episode without you know a little controversy going on. There's gotta be a wild card. Yeah, Poopus constantly plays the devil's advocate. It seems like more so than with Mike D. He kind of comes up my neck. He came at my neck about Brendan Aronson. He came at me when Philly tied Cincinnati for the first time. So I feel like I always am. I have to be prepared to defend myself with Poopus on the opposite side of the camera. Yeah, going back to your, your original question, though, it's kind of funny. This whole thing started with podcast back at the beginning of the COVID pandemic when things really started to get thick. And for me, I was on the outside looking in. It was Blake and Poopus and then one of their other friends, uh, Dakota Rock, who now has his own podcast, The Away Fixture, um, which is an EPL-based podcast. And he had to go his separate way and I remember I was sitting on the couch. I was always involved kind of behind the scenes. Blake would always bounce ideas off me and, and talk to me about it and how it was going. One night, sitting on the couch, I get a FaceTime call right before 9 o'clock. Blake says, what are you doing? Nothing. Watching TV and winding down for the night. It was, oh, we're getting ready to interview Katie Stengel for um, our, our upcoming podcast. Do you want to be a part of it? I was taken by surprise. I was like, you know, 
I'm not prepared. I didn't do any research. I don't even know who Katie Stengel is at this point. Know nothing really about women's soccer. And he was like, come on, whatever. And so I thought to myself, no, I think I'm going to tell him no. And I was like, we're talking about soccer. I mean, this is something that I love. How hard could it be? And so I told him, yeah, I did probably 10, 15 minutes of research and I let him kind of drive it. And I was just there to get some questions in as they came to me. And it ended up being the first one that I was a part of. And from there on, it was the rest is history, as you can say. And it's been MLS gone wild with Blen Pupis and uh, Mike D. So guy, guy forgot his own name for a second. But to speak on what Mike D's talking about, like, we didn't come into this podcasting game trying to find big name interviews. We came into it, like we say in all of our intros, with rumors, analytics, predictions, and all things MLS and American soccer. But quickly, as soon as the pandemic hit right there after week two of the MLS regular season, we really had to scramble. We scrambled for interviews. We reached out to you, Dylan. You hit us up with Brandon Eaton. And that just that led to a whole line of interviews that lined up that eventually led to our first MLS interview with Cristobal who was part of the MLS's back tournament champions, Portland Timbers. And then since then, like, not only have we – so we're all Columbus Crew fans. We're all sitting here trying to watch the game and do this interview at the same time. And that's kind of where our love for the MLS started. And Poopas and I being from Columbus, that's where it started for us. But since starting this MLS-based podcast, we have gained so much more knowledge of the whole MLS, the players – the youth that are coming up, everything MLS, we've become so much more exposed to, which is cool. And when I talk about being exposed, I said, first of all, we just had Brendan Aronson on, who's linked to a move to Red Bull Salzburg. He actually just passed his medical. We just had on Cole Bassett, a standout homegrown player for the Colorado Rapids, Kellen Acosta for the Colorado Rapids, one of the co-hosts for one of the MLS's biggest podcasts, MLS call-up, Jillian Sakovitz and somebody that I never thought I would sit across the screen from and talk to and ask questions to and interact with, Alexi Lawless. So not only have we learned a lot from the game, we've been exposed to so many players we never even thought we would get the opportunity to speak to. This man, just so everyone knows, isn't even reading off anything. He's just very passionate and I could just appreciate it. Um, yeah, I think one thing that really resonated me with with both what you guys were saying is uh, like kind of like a niche community, right? Like MLS, when you think soccer, soccer players, soccer lovers, you don't always think MLS first. You probably think EPL, you probably think uh, La Liga, uh, just international play maybe. Um, but that's, that's the same with beach soccer. And you know, why I do this is similarly why you guys do MLS has gone wild just because you want to promote the game. You want to talk about it. You want to, joke with your buddies you want to get yelled at by poopus when you say something that he was going to say um so yeah like with beach soccer it's it's that close knit niche community right so i have done interviews with you know i would say similar uh components across the board so uh you know the captain of the united states beach national team uh the head coach who is now head coach of both national teams everyone's so quick to want to speak on the game that they love um, and talk about it and tell their story. Um, and which has been great to see with you guys. Like at first, I know when I reached out to Brandon to see if he'd do an interview with you guys, you guys were stoked, which rightfully so. Brandon's a great guy, you know, playing for Ford Madison, the flock, like that's awesome. And then you guys like hit the DMs hard and you just like <laughs> struck fire and it was, it was sick to see. And I mean, uh, Alexi Lawless, you know, I think he was, <laughs> 
that little banter that you guys had with someone like him and then being able to talk to him about his experience and then, you know, how he talks about his opinion on American soccer. Like, that's awesome. So I think we're all doing this for the right reasons. Poopus, I mean, you're going to come on here and tell us why you do what you do or what, man? I mean, I know I don't have as much, you know, experience with soccer and then the whole, you know, bang, like what Mike D had. But I mean, it's too, because, I mean, we're all friends, so I was like, I just like, you know, since I'm living in Hawaii, I just like spending time with them, and I mean, this is one way, you know, get to talking, and, you know, get a little controversy and a little, you know, fighting going on between each other, without seeing each other, and it's just like, we all love soccer, too, so, and then it just gives us more, a chance to, you know, just further our game, and then me, I've learned a lot doing this, especially from Mike D and Blem, like, I feel like, you know, my little strategies that I have going on sometimes I learn from them so I'm learning a lot more than you know what I ever thought I would about soccer yeah and Poopus is doing this all right now his wife has gone on duty so Poopus is doing this all as a stay-at-home father so throughout this episode you may hear little Donovan who's actually our another co-host he's the fourth member of the crew you may hear him in the background that's what's up yeah so Getting a little bit more, digging deeper. Uh, Blake and Delaney Blem, Mike D, are former teammates of mine. Uh, we're all alumni of, it was Virginia Wesleyan College then. It's Virginia Wesleyan University now. Uh, we all played soccer there. Uh, and, you know, like they talk on their podcast, I think that has to do with a lot of where our passion for soccer came from and why we kind of understand what it means to, to play soccer, to be on a team, uh, to talk about stuff like that. But one instance to kind of pull it a little bit further, uh, one year playing in the National uh, North American Sand Soccer Championships, I recruited Mike Delaney and Blake Eshelman to come play ball with me uh, on the sand in a co-ed team just for fun, just to see, you know, if they were about it. And they, they were quickly about it. They, you know, I think they were like, you know, we're fit. Like, let's play, let's ball. Um, and I'm interested to hear what your guys' first impressions going into it and then once you actually played were. So before I ever came down to Virginia Beach, I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio, as is Poopus. Actually, Reynoldsburg, a little suburb outside of Columbus. And if you ask Poopus the same question, like, we never were exposed to sand soccer. It just wasn't a thing. And Dylan, your first ever on Spread the Sand was Megan Wharton. She played at Ohio Dominican University, a D2 school just out in, in Columbus. And her and I have two things in common. One, we're both from Columbus. Two, we never played soccer on the sand until we played in a soccer tournament there in Virginia Beach. And just like her experience, like, yeah, I played soccer for, at that point, you know, I was done with college. So I had played soccer for 18 years of my life, really. And so I was like, oh, that's just a different surface. I'll be fine. And honestly, I was. The very first game we came out, and I think that I was just riding the high of this new thing. And all these people being there, 25 blocks of fields, all this music going on, people standing up on the boardwalk and, you know, playing with people I never played with before. So I wanted to prove myself that, hey, I'm done with college soccer, but hey, I used to be okay. I'm not a, I'm not a trash can anymore. And I went out and I scored two goals in the first game. And I don't remember how I scored one of them, but the one goal I do remember, I had a free kick. Don't remember how far it was, but you know, it's not, you know, when you're playing on grass, you try to prop it up on the highest part of the grass. You're not going to kick it out of the divot. And the same with the sand. Like I propped it up, sat it up, teed it up like I was hitting a golf ball. And I absolutely smashed it in the back of the net. And I scored two goals in my first game that night. Well, we, I think we lost our second game or tied. 
that night we started drinking as a team, getting to know some new people that I had never met before, thanks to you, Dylan. And then we come back out Sunday and it's winter go home. And I think we played at 8 a.m. on Sunday and that's never conducive to after a night of drinking. And we took over 8 a.m. game in the hot sun. Yeah. And we took the L. But one thing I do remember is after we took that L, it's always nice to have the beach right there. I'm a guy who loves to ride waves. Yeah, we took the L. But right after that, I ran, jumped in the water, got all the sand off of my sweaty body. And then we sat around and drank some more beers and watched actual quality beach soccer so the overall experience was amazing I think one thing about beach soccer that stands out to me is the community like you said you've kind of hit a niche with the sand and soccer community and you see that here in Virginia Beach we don't have a professional soccer team here in Virginia Beach we just have a whole strip with the boardwalk and there's just plenty of real estate to do it and people travel from I believe I read on the website at least 20 states across the U.S. and countries from all over the world. So, and then especially if you stick around and watch games in the stadium, like it's a once in a lifetime experience playing there and just being a part of the whole thing. Even if you're not playing, even if you're just a, a spectator, it's, it's an amazing experience. Let me tell you what, it doesn't matter what Blake does. This man is always going to come prepared with stats and facts and make you feel like this man knows every single thing about whatever he's talking about. My hat goes off. It just happened yesterday. (laughs) You're talking about games that happened back in like 2015. I didn't remember that we won and lost the game. Um, But it's, it's always something that's I've, I've loved about Blake. And I mean, you you said it a minute ago, he's just rattling off these facts. He, He does this thing where he can prepare in such a short amount of time and gather a lot of research. And then I'm the guy and a guy that needs like all week long, to dig through the internet, make sure my notes are good and all this stuff. But for me, going back to that time, I remember when we played and I mean, you and I both, you know, Dylan and I both being from Virginia Beach, we've been exposed to the sand soccer tournament every year that it's gone on. I've always taken it kind of for granted. And when I was coming up and through high school and then going into college, I never wanted to really play it because I never liked the fact that the ground wasn't flat and I couldn't get a nice touch on the ball and I couldn't make a crisp pass. So that was something that always deterred me from playing. But before even you asked me, I know I think I had, you know, agreed to it one year with with one of my buddies and, and just went out there and played and I enjoyed it. And then when you asked me, anytime Dylan calls, I'm coming to play, you know, because Dylan's a baller. And we went out, we played, had a ton of fun. Dylan was just phenomenal on the stand, always getting buckets. And for me, as you've talked about many times in your in your podcast before, you think you're fit until you step on that sand and you make one run to me. I'm a bigger guy, you know, I'm not as fit as I used to be, but even back then I was still a little, little beef as we used to refer to. So I remember making a run and just like, Holy cow, this is, this is not the same. We are, we are not doing the same thing we did before, but my experience with sand soccer has been that I've enjoyed it every single time that I've played it. I was super excited to play again this year. And then obviously COVID happened and we weren't able to get into it. I was super excited to see because you had been getting into to beach soccer where you had progressed even more so than you were before. And, and so I'm excited to get back out there again, but it's always fun. I remember watching the Barcelona team for the first time when they got the professional stadium set up and thinking how amazing the quality of play is that you, you don't even recognize. You don't see that stuff. I had never seen anything like it. The ball didn't touch the ground and it was bicycle kicks galore all over the field. And I'm pretty sure they won that, that year. They took the cup home. 
and just phenomenal. It's growing every year and I'm super excited to see where it goes. I hope that it develops more across the U.S. and they're, uh, they get these uh, professional teams going. Yeah, man, I think uh, the one thing that I remember clear as day is that y'all were looking swole in those pennies that we were wearing. I think that was like the picture. one thing I remember clear. I think um, I have a picture of it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we do have a picture. Maybe we'll, we'll post that up as uh, one of the <laughs> promo pics. But uh, Poopus, tell me about Hawaii. What's up with the beaches in Hawaii? Are they kicking a ball around out there or anything? I mean, they've been all closed, so nothing's really going on. Everybody's getting tickets for being on the beach. So. Yeah. And they finally just opened back up. But I've, I mean, I haven't really seen anybody kick a ball around here, so which is crazy. Yeah. Plus, all the youth sports and all the adult league soccer like seasons are canceled around year two. I don't, I don't think they're allowed to come back for another two months. So, Jeez. so they actually get to figure out what they're gonna do. So I mean, it just it's all shut down here because I was gonna play adult league soccer around here, but I can't because this whole COVID stuff. So, kind of just going to school and just kind of in a standstill right now. Grinding it out. That's all right. Pretty. Though. Yeah, I did, I did look a little swollen in my yellow penny. I did look at that picture to re to reference what year I played in it. So 2017 was my running year. 2018 was one of my lifting years and not really, you know, doing a whole lot of fitness. But I want to talk, you know, Mike Delaney talked about Barcelona always having the ball up in the air. And Mike Delaney and I, on top of that, we thought that we were fit coming into that. On top of thinking we were fit, we also thought we could come out there and just pass the ball on the ground like it was going to roll the same as it does on a flat surface. And – not only did we learn have to learn that really quickly, we really didn't have a whole lot of time to adapt. It's a very fast game. So learning to lift the ball up and try to get into position to bicycle, like that wasn't going to happen in our first tournament. But, you know, it, it was fun playing as, as a novice. I would, I'm definitely looking forward to doing it again next year. <laughs> now, I know, yeah. I know Blake was going to touch on this, but I remember that you and your sister had a goal scoring competition that year. Did you not? All right, so I've refrained from talking about this on the podcast, but I will because it has been brought forward. Uh, my sister, she's a collegiate athlete at the Savannah College of Art and Design down in Savannah, Georgia. Um, her and I had an ongoing bet that, you know, whoever scores the most goals in Sand Soccer Weekend gets to egg the other sibling. Uh, and it's progressively gone from like four eggs to like a full flat dozen now, uh, which is absolutely absurd. I won the first year, um, and that was attributed to the fact that she was younger. She was probably just starting to play sand soccer, but she was, like, trying to flex on me like she was a big deal. Um, fast forward the next year, six eggs, all cracked in my head. Fast forward the year after that, all eight eggs cracked in my head. And uh, it would have been the big dozen this year, um, but unfortunately, with the pandemic and everything, uh, we'll have to push that off. But she is a beast. I, I don't understand it. Uh, her ability to adapt to any surface and score goals is just stupid. So, yeah, she balled out. I've gotten eggs cracked in my head. I would love to say that those are on the internet somewhere, but only if you follow my personal account. So no, no worries on my embarrassment there. Um, but, yeah, dude, it's, it's nothing but good times. And the one thing that you touched on, that is a good transition is, is adapting, Blake, right? Like you have three guaranteed games. And then if you keep winning, you get more. If you don't win, you're done. And three games, if you're just playing beach soccer once a year, is just not enough to, to get your sand under you. Um, 
And so a part of that is like, how can we get more playing opportunities? Um, I know you guys, uh, at least Blake and Poopis from Ohio, like there's a, there's a organization called soccer in the sand that like they do some things on the coast, but a lot of what they do are like Midwest tournaments and they use the great lakes and, um, I know we can get into this a little bit later, but they're trying to provide opportunities more in the Midwest rather than the, just the coast, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, like how can we play more? Like what avenues would allow us to allow people to play more, learn more about beach soccer, get on the sand more. Um, and you know, some, some stuff that kind of follows through with that is like, what would we be doing if like MLS teams also had a beach soccer team or if MLS teams, that, you know, have a beach surface or have some sort of beach surface, like how could they help promote the game? And I'm interested to hear what you guys think about what a partnership like that could look like from stuff that you've seen or just, you know, maybe geographically some teams could really thrive. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. So taking what you said, Dylan, I would love to see all of the MLS teams adopt some kind of beach soccer program. Realistically speaking, maybe the big market teams such as Seattle, Toronto, the New York clubs and the Florida clubs outside of the Sounders fielding a team in 2011 and 2012 and Tyler Miller's event that we'll touch on later. The MLS hasn't done much to promote beach soccer. One thing I did find, however, after scouring the internet for something related to MLS and beach soccer was the MLS hosting a free beach soccer event during the 2017 MLS all-star weekend in host city, Chicago. For me, I think the real way that the MLS helps promote grow the beach soccer game in America is at least fielding youth teams to play in tournaments. And that is something that the Chicago Fire youth teams have done along North Avenue Beach in Chicago. So you kind of talking about the Midwest. Yes, they're using the Great Lakes. So that Chicago Fire organization is taking advantage of that and they are promoting through the youth. But to that point, the MLS and its teams have done a really good job of building street soccer courts in inner cities so kids can play in the inner cities. Maybe we build sand soccer courts as well. Yeah, I agree. I think the first thing that comes to mind, I mean, one of your recent interviews, I think her name was Tina Lowry, family friend, right? Um, she's doing, she's got the, the two beach club teams that she's got going right now, stuff like that. I mean, it's growing. It's continuing to grow, not only across the U.S., but in places like right here in Virginia Beach. And continuing to do stuff like that is going to broaden the horizon for beach soccer. What you're doing, I mean, talking about it, spreading the sand, getting people involved. You have to spread the awareness, just a little sprinkle. Um, I think something that would be really cool to see, just like Blake talked about a second ago, they're starting – you know, you're starting to see some of these street leagues pop up. In Virginia Beach, I actually just joined a street league. I've been playing a lot of street football. And it's something that we haven't seen in the area ever since I've been here. So I'm super excited. That starts up in uh, two weeks for me. And aside from playing in the grass and playing at the field house on turf and the indoor, I'm getting ready to play street football. And I think something that would be really cool to see is if they started some sort of league that was associated with the sand. And I like I agree with both of them too, Mike D and Blame. And then I I was like looking up some like beach soccer things because I'm not really familiar with it. And like there was a uh, there was youth like tournaments for like the national beach championship like in Wisconsin, and like they were supposed to have one in the windy windy city again, and but it got all canceled for the COVID, which I would I would never have thought Wisconsin would be. It was actually their first tournament they were going to have in Wisconsin for this past year, and that, that's the last place I would ever ever think of. 
But uh, just like just advertising the game more, is like people don't realize how many pe- people are actually out there that are interested in playing and joining teams of beach soccer leagues. And it's just like street soccer. The Columbus crew have been building uh, street soccer uh, fields for like the youth and stuff around Columbus recently. And they're starting to open that up. And then, I mean, you can easily just do the same thing with beach soccer too and just adapt, adapt people more with the, with the sand. So, and I'm sure a lot, a lot more people once, you know, teams or even cities like start opening like little sand areas for beach soccer that come out and play and actually enjoy it. So just getting, getting everybody experience with it, I think, and getting the word out like you do, Dylan. So I think it would actually become more popular in the United States if, that, if more people get involved in this situation. Yeah, we all love the beautiful game, but I think we should all love all forms of the beautiful game. We love the game on the grass. We love the street soccer game. Mike Blaine just said he's getting involved in street football, but we need to, as a country, begin to promote street soccer as well. It's so big in Brazil and these other countries across the pond and in South America, and it really does help develop players just like futsal does, and that's that was the closest thing I was ever exposed to when I was in Columbus was futsal. And that is another great form of it, it originated in Brazil with a heavier ball. You got to keep the ball on the floor. It's quick, tiki taka. And so that inspires one type of play and, you know, working in the sand, playing sand soccer, it works on a whole different skill set, and it's very technical and very touch oriented. So all forms of soccer are beneficial in their different ways. But I really think the MLS, it does need to start with the ground up. I know they just rebranded their academies with MLS next. Let's get some people involved in sand soccer. And like I said earlier, what they did in 2017 in Chicago was big. Maybe that's something they need to do annually during these MLS all-star weekends. Granted, they're all not right on a lake or on the water, but we can basically create these makeshift sand soccer fields. And your, your girl, your first ever interview um, – what was her name again, Dylan? Sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Megan Warden. Megan Warden. She was from Columbus, and she used to train on basically like a sand volleyball court, and she just made it her own. That's where she trained. That's where she did her lifts. That's where she practiced her bicycles. That's where she got her conditioning in. So just creating these makeshift courts would go a long way, and having the MLS academies and the MLS teams promote that. Yeah, I've talked about this on a couple episodes, but, you know, you when you, when you think – Soccer on the grass, at least, you know, you think about the Brazils, you think about the Spains, the Englands. Uh, for beach soccer, you think about the Russias, you think about the Portugals, uh, you think about the Japans. Um, you know, they, they have, you know, constant leagues running. They have beach soccer specific clubs playing all the time. Um, Russia has indoor complexes for their beach soccer teams. And it's a huge place similar to the field house in Virginia beach, but it's just sand fields. Um, and that's how they just continue to dominate in these national and international competitions. Um, the head coach of both the men's and women's beach national team for the United States, uh, Francis Farroff, he has a youth club that he started, uh, he co-founded and it's FBS and it's futsal beach soccer. And the reason they called it that is because they understand that each component of futsal, of beach soccer, of soccer on the grass, is going to attribute to improving, you know, a player's game. You know, wh- wherever surface you take it, uh, how, you know, as long as you're consistently playing and adapting, you know, that's just like a key word right now, like it's going to improve your game. 
if you're able to do bikes, great. But if you're able to get the flick there and stay conditioned on the sand, you know, you're going to be well conditioned on the grass as well. Um, if you're able to play quick on street football, like Delaney mentioned, like that's going to translate to your game anywhere you go. So it's little things that you pick up throughout growing up. You know, we've all played youth soccer. Um, it's the little things that you pick up that eventually make you the player that you are. Yeah, the, we've talked about a common theme with Brendan Aronson and Cole Bassett, and that's just getting reps. And when we talk to them, for them, it's just getting reps on the grass. And I think to be a holistic soccer player and to really get the best of all three worlds, you can get reps in all three of them. It really develops three different parts of your game. Anytime you catch me and Blake at the beach, man, we bring a soccer ball. Anytime. Getting right. touches, getting juggles up. I still I, – I, the, the flick, I – do not understand it. I don't know if it's because I'm not quick enough, but I have, I've tried it. And I mean, obviously it would take time to practice, but it's, it's something that's so far outside of my skill set. Well, dude, when you guys were talking about when we played together that one year, you know, I wasn't doing any of the things that I've learned and played like do now just because through repetition, like I would wait every year and just pull up to the sand soccer tournament, like grab a beer Friday night, like, just have a chill weekend but after playing here all the time like that was the first question I asked the players when I got here I was like how do you guys flick it and they're like you just do it like that was their response and it's it's funny because it's true you just do it like after you continue to try it like you you watch people do it like it's just second nature um I'd even start like working on my left foot with it because I feel pretty confident with my right foot but it's, it's insane. Uh, it's funny because when we played, like I tell everybody here in Santa Cruz, I'm like, I would just put my body in between the ball and the player and then just turn and shoot. Like that was my MO. Uh, <laughs> that is that what was, you did. I, that I remember the, <laughs> that very vividly. That's exactly what you did. I would hold up the ball and when they bit one way, I'd go the other way and then shoot. Uh, but now like it's, it's so easy to dictate play and get creative with it and you know, the sky's the limit. You know, you can only hope to be as good as that Barcelona team that year that just dominated the competition. Um, yeah, I think I think we should try to get in the pro division next year, Dill, see if we can take them on. Hey, I we got stuff in the works, boys. So <laughs> no worries on that. Uh, hey, I'll, so, I'll, I'll, I'll be the sixth man. I don't even have to come in. Just get me on the squad. Oh, you're coming in. You're playing. <laughs> I'll be on the sideline drunk, so no, don't worry. <laughs> hey, Co Coach Poopus, that's all we need. <laughs> and, his, um, and his son, Donovan, but he won't be drunk. Yeah, it'll be more like Coach Donovan and then assistant coach Poopus, I'm sure. <laughs> Boys, let's, uh, let's – so I have some questions prepped, and I'm excited to hear some answers that you guys have. Uh, which players in the MLS, after watching MLS's back tournament, knowing what you've known pre-even that tournament and what we're seeing now, which MLS players, and no poopus, you can't take Delaney's answer, are we seeing and do we think would thrive on the sand? For that reason, I'm going to go first. <laughs> so Dylan asked a question to his followers and some of his friends on social media before podcast that he did. Very similar question. And the first name that came to mind was Nani, Orlando's bread and butter. And the reason being, I mean, you watch this guy on the field, you already know where he's come from and what he's done prior to coming to the MLS. But even in the MLS, he, he's killing it. And 
his touch is impeccable. He's very cheeky. He's a very flashy player. And for that reason, I can just – I can picture this guy being somebody that would be very good in the sand, let alone he being from Portugal. He probably already has that skill set to begin with. Second, somebody else touched on this in, in that same podcast that you talked about. I was thinking about this long and hard. And there's, there's probably a ton of players that have that skill under their belt that play in the MLS. But the second name that came to mind immediately – and not even because it was something that was on your podcast was Latan. And I know that he doesn't play in the MLS anymore, but he did. So I'm going to, I'm going to bank on that. And the reason being you watched when Zlatan was in the MLS, the kinds of goals this man scored. I mean, against LAFC, the nearly half field volley that he scored some of these, these aerial kicks. I mean, one of them was like a judo kick where he, the ball was coming in and he did like a full turnaround and hit it with the outside of his right foot, like a, like he was in, doing some karate or something. And you put that man up top, and because sand soccer is such an aerial game, you put that man up top, put it on his chest, or put it in an area where he can strike it, where he can get off his feet, nobody can nobody can touch him. And it, I think if you ask Zlatan, he'll tell you he'd be amazing at anything. So, Well, so one thing that I do want to harp on both those picks, great picks, um, the, the acrobatic side that you mentioned – you know, that's something in beach soccer that is, um, you know, different than soccer in the grass. Like when a player is making the motion of a bicycle and, you know, flicks the ball and does that motion, essentially you can't mess with him or her in any way. Um, if you impede on their forward progress of a bike, it's going to be a foul for that player. So, I'd imagine as soon as Zlatan throws a freaking bike in the air or a flick or anything, you know, besides the fact that he would scold the player that even touched him. Uh, no, I, I definitely agree that I think he would dominate the air. And Nani, like, not only his play for Orlando, but, like, look what he's done for Porto and Man United. Like, he's obviously got some skill both on the ground and in the air. So I think both great picks for sure. Yeah. Dylan, we see you practicing your lifts and bicycle kicks all the time on your YouTube page, which exhibits the importance of being technical and acrobatic in the game of beach soccer. Sebastian Leggett is just that, and he put his acrobatic finishing on display on September 6th against LAFC. In the 83rd minute, Leggett peeled off both LAFC defenders to the back post where he scored a nasty bicycle kick. At this point, I'd like to refer to him as Air Leggett after that one. Landing on the sand may be a lot safer and softer than landing on the grass after that bucket he got. I, I don't even think he probably felt it when he landed. He probably just had too much adrenaline, too much height. But, yeah, no, I, I can't even imagine. Like, sometimes you even get hurt trying to do a bike on the sand, let alone in a professional match on the, a firm ground. But the man killed it. He looked great in the air, and it was – I mean, it was solid. Like, it went into the back of the net. It wasn't like it was a flip. Yeah, and, it, and I thought it was even cooler because he smashed it off the ground and it basically went over the goalie into the back stick. But if you look at the replay, it doesn't necessarily look like your traditional bicycle kick. It almost looks like a, a side scissor kick. But let me tell you, the reason I call this man Air Legit is because he was up there. Did you come up that on your own? I did, actually. But, uh, we <laughs> talked about it in one of our podcasts, and I posted one of our segments with the picture with the audiogram, and I called him Air Legit. So I'm, I, that's me. That's all me. I'm going to go with Kai Kamara. I mean, that's going to be my choice. I feel like he's good with his body. And, he, he's, I mean, he's from uh, 
he's from South Africa, so I'm gonna like I feel like he that kind of his nationality actually like contributes to his skills. So I feel like he'd be actually pretty good at beach soccer. So yeah, like a lot of the South African teams like aren't bad either. Um, like they have their own play style. Like they might not be the most quick on the ball or flashy or whatever that looks like, but you know. If anything, they're they're kicking the ball home. They're using their body. So, like, I'd say that's a good pick. And Kai Kamar also, to me, kind of has, like, the demeanor of Ibra. At least every time I've seen him kind of, like, do his his thing, he's kind of like that up in the – yeah, he played for the crew. So, uh, homie, had, homie had his confidence and his swagger for sure. Yeah, heart-shaped hands. That's Kai. We, we loved him for the crew, and unfortunately he just got moved – so he, he's been with – he scored goals for eight different MLS teams, which is astonishing because he's one of the best strikers the MLS has ever had. I don't know why he gets bounced around like he does, but he's produced everywhere. Everybody wants him. All the uh... – He's got goals, man. All right, so I already said Sebastian Legette, but I have something different, something we really haven't touched on, something that Dylan's talked about in previous podcasts. So I'm going to throw it back to an MLS original, a Mexican international. I'm throwing it back to 1995, 1996. Okay. Bear with me here, fellas. So of the five positions on the field, having a goalkeeper that can distribute with their feet may be the most important. This is a throwback, but Jorge Campos, a player who played both striker and goalkeeper throughout his decorated career and played for both the LA galaxy and Chicago fire is an MLS player that could have balled out on the sand. His agile and acrobatic saves makes him a viable option as a beach soccer shot stopper, and his confidence with his feet makes him a legitimate distributor from the back. Oftentimes in the MLS, you would see him collect the ball with his hands, roll it out to himself, dribble to half field before getting the ball off his foot. He also played as a keeper sweeper, which allowed him to be involved in play and clean up any messes. So his goal-scoring prowess as well as his ability to stop shots. I think he would be your ideal beach soccer goalkeeper. And I would compare him to what is the guy's name that you sent me a video of earlier, Dylan? Chris Toth. Yeah. That is, that is who I would compare him to. Their skill sets are very similar, I think. So what we were prepping this interview with, uh, Blake and I were texting back and forth. And uh, one of the main things that I talked to him about and that I talk about on this podcast constantly, I feel like, is the importance of having a goalie that can play with their feet. Um, a goalie that can play with their feet changes your game. And, you know, you see this at the Virginia Beach tournament. You know, those teams that have goalies that can play with their feet versus teams that just have a shot stopper, it makes a difference. If you can play the ball to your goalie confidently and he can come out, he or she can come out with the ball, you know, lifted up to their thigh, either rip a shot or distribute, um, it's forcing you to be up a player essentially every time that you are on the attack. If five, I'm five and four. Exactly. When you have somebody step to your goalkeeper, that automatically takes that player out of the equation and you're moving the ball forward with numbers. Um, and then also if they're not stepping to you and you're able to rip a shot, like the distance isn't far from net to net. You know, if you played keeper wars growing up, you know, like that's just, that's like a goalie's bread and butter and just to have fun with it. So I definitely appreciate that pick a hundred percent. Um, one name that I've tossed around in the, in, in terms of goalkeepers is Nick Romando. Um, and because I think that he's just like an agile little keeper. I say Lil, but, I mean, the man, like, he's a baller. 
Like he, he did so well in his career for uh, Real Salt Lake and then even the other clubs that he's played for. So um, I think he played for DC at one point as well. Uh, but I just feel like he'd be unbelievably agile in the net. And then also like I would trust him with the ball at his feet. So that was kind of my goalkeeper pick. But when Blake sent me that one, I've seen highlights of that man. And he is just – they put a, they throw a, a player field jersey on him and he just gets after it. There was one time he played two games back-to-back. I read the stats today. I'd never heard it before. But he played for the Mexican international team in the Rose Bowl. Then he turned around and played for the L.A. So he played goalkeeper for Mexico. And then directly after that game, the L.A. Galaxy, the team that he played for at the time, had a game, and he played striker for the L.A. Galaxy. That's absurd. (laughs) It's absolutely absurd. Versatility. Versatility. Yeah, and I was – That you, you interviewed that scored the goal? off the free kick, the game-winning goal? Yeah, he is nasty. Um, so, you know, this is kind of like a good segue. Have you guys heard of the MASL? Negative. I, ha- I have. Can't tell you a lot about it. So, uh, it's the Arena Soccer League. It's the professional arena, arena soccer league in the United States. And I would say a lot of professional beach soccer players in the States also tend to double as MASL players. Um, I don't know what it is about the arena game. I think it's it's the fact that it's, you know, smaller sides. You, you know, you have that added aspect of the wall that you can play off of, similar to the field house. Um, but, you know, he's a goalkeeper for them. Uh, I think he's for the Tacoma Stars now, actually. I think they're stacking up that roster. But, you know, the he is so smooth on the ball at his feet. Like, the fact that they have him and – you know, his attack forward is just, it's absurd. And like Delaney mentioned, he, uh, he hit a free kick when he was playing overseas and, and hungry. And it was like seconds to go. And instead of being able to dish it out, a guy fouled him in the hopes that, okay, a goalkeeper can't score a free kick from his side of the field. Um, Toth put it down, he teed it up and, you know, it hit a wicked bounce on the sand and he tied it up and then they ended up winning the entire league or the, the tournament. So the fact of the matter is, is like anyone's lethal from anywhere if you're able to hit it up right. And Toth has just like perfected his his volleys and his three kicks, and it's insane. Makes it hard yeah, to defend I, for sure. I asked Twitter last night who they thought out of all of our followers who they thought the best MLS goalkeeper, not who the best was, but which MLS goalkeeper's game would best translate to the sand. And I got answers like Matt Turner, Andre Blake, and Sean Johnson. And I just couldn't accept that. I had to dig deeper. I had to find somebody like Compost. So I'm happy I found him. Great pick. Um, yeah, well, in, in reference to goalkeepers that uh, have some kind of tie to the sand, uh, you brought this up earlier, Blake, and I wanted to touch on it a little bit in our efforts of uh, talking about more events popping up. Tyler Miller goalkeeper he was at the time the goalkeeper of the LAFC I think he now is over in Minnesota with Kevin Molino balling out right now hot boy Um, yeah the homie Um, but for two years while he was in LAFC uh, he hosted a beach soccer event that raised money for the Austin Everett Foundation which helps children with cancer and their families that are impacted Um, you know the fact that he as a professional player is using his platform to promote beach soccer and for a good cause on top of that. Like those are the things that we're looking for. Uh, And we talk about geographic location. Like I doubt that he'd be able to pull that off in Minnesota, but with his ties back to LA, 
um, and the, the West Coast. You know, we, we talk about geographic location and the prime locations for these things. Um, I think that was huge. Like the fact that he was able to pull that off two years in a row is a successful event. And really what they did was just have tents out there with LAFC all over the place. And people, you know, I'm sure that to some capacity got people to go to LAFC games and become an LAFC fan. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's mutually beneficial for MLS clubs and just clubs in general to, you know, have events like this. I believe it was the first year that LAFC, they had just come into the league. LAFC hadn't even played a game yet. And Tyler Miller was able to organize this event and had tons of support from the community. It's so cool to see that kind of stuff. We talk about, you know, there's a, there's this, this saying that a lot of people have been talking about, which is, you know, players should just shut up and play. And I know that this is kind of a different topic, but Dakota talked about this on his podcast where we have to understand that these players are people first before they're professional athletes. And to be able to see a professional player go out there and use this platform, like you said, and get the backing of the community before they've even stepped on the field is, is amazing. And something that I'm always going to take my hat off to. So it was very cool to see that. And the fact that he goes around to, hospitals to see families in their and their kids and you know spend a little bit of time with them to bring a smile to brighten their day even if like he said for 10 minutes is is incredible yep you have to use your platform to initiate positive change and for tyler miller when he was at lafc and you know he's now with minnesota united like you said he did have two relatives uh, that i believe have cancer or had cancer I'm, I'm not exactly sure so it did hit very close to him so LAFC, I believe, in their preseason before they started playing in their inaugural season, they did have a kind of community engagement initiative, and he went out of his way to do something that was close to his heart. So I know that they had planned to do it again this year. Oh, I think LAFC may have planned to do it again this year, um, but it's something they need to continue to do for that organization, and hopefully Tyler Miller can, can continue to do those types of things in Minnesota and wherever he can have an impact. Yeah, and I, I guarantee Minnesota is full, they're fully capable of doing like some indoor event for like set up an indoor beach soccer event or something like that for to contribute to this. Because I mean, he's been doing it so far. So it's like, I know they, they have the, for using their platform, I know they can do it without a doubt. Even if LAFC doesn't, even if they're not planning on doing it, it'd be really cool if Tyler Miller went back and he still promoted and did that event. Uh, independently and LAFC would probably even back him you know he was their inaugural goalkeeper so it'd be really cool to see that happen as well yeah uh, or he could do uh the first ever snow soccer event in Minnesota that's not, no big yeah. deal I'm sure it'll bring the same crowd definitely right? like that's for sure but yeah no that would be awesome to see I, I just appreciate the fact that that was the platform he chose to use and I'm sure um that's something that those participants you know I think it was majority youth but like something that they'll take away like we said for a long time um but yeah talking about cross platforms and stuff like that um one thing I wanted to kind of pick your guys brains about too is the fact that uh what B soccer would look like at a college level sport an NCAA sport um you know we've seen uh volleyball turn into beach volleyball at some institutions in the NCAA. Um, and I kind of think that that would be a solid introduction into what beach soccer could really become if it was a competition at the college level. Um, 
I, the school that is pretty outstanding for producing beach soccer talent is UCLA. And that was a big contributor for the coaching staff that's been there that also then went on to coach uh, the beach soccer national team. So, um, you know, I, I can't imagine, but I would love to have seen what it would look like if we had a Virginia Wesleyan beach soccer team. I can't imagine how dominant we would have been. But Yeah, I think that that's, that's a tough question, Dylan. I hadn't really thought about it. In your Which position, I'm yeah, no, in, in your position, Dylan, in your previous positions, you've been head of intramural sports and uh, recreational activities at a couple of different universities, correct? Yeah, so I'm currently one of the assistant athletic directors at UC Santa Cruz. So that's kind of where this question falls. Yeah, and I think from an inter-university perspective, I think it starts at an inaug- or intramural level and kind of start, you know, there's intramural flag football, intramural basketball, intramural sand volleyball. So starting it there, and obviously it's going to move a lot faster with universities that are on the coast. Virginia Wesleyan would be great, and there's plenty of schools in the 757 that would absolutely jump on this. ODU Division I team here, Hampton University would jump in, uh, Virginia Wesleyan. All these schools can field teams and probably field more than one team especially in off seasons and things like that. So I think it starts ultimately at a intramural level, but I think it is something that can ultimately grow into something a little bit bigger. Not every university will jump on it, obviously, but I think it could be something that's, that's doable. A little insight for the listeners. We are planning on doing beach soccer intramurals for UC Santa Cruz. Look at so that. The man, who would have figured the nail on the head. Who, who would have figured Dylan? Big plug. plug. We talk about building this thing from the ground up, building awareness. You know, the sand soccer tournament in Virginia Beach has grown every single year and is going to continue to grow. I think incorporating that into the college level, the collegiate level, like Blake said, at an intramural level, but even before that, like something that I had talked about, starting sand soccer leagues like we have at the field house or, you know, any sort of co-ed leagues or any kind of recreational league, you start there, you get these kids playing, you get them interested and then they go to college and it's like, Oh, well, I've been doing this. I can do it at this level too. And then it just continues to build from there. I mean, if we can get cornhole to become an Olympic level sport, there is no reason why we can't get sand soccer to become an Olympic level sport as well. One thing I talk to a lot of professional beach soccer players about is the difference in experience and the difference in definition of what professional means to them. Um, You know, one really awesome thing that Nick Pereira did with the Tacoma Stars, uh, the Tacoma Stars are an MASL team, um, and Nick Pereira was able to talk to the owner, talk to the general manager, um, which I think he actually is in that role now, which is crazy to think about. you know, he was able to have everything paid for for them to sponsor a team, to pay for the lodging, to pay, a, you know, I think a stipend on top of that, the meals, everything paid for. And then if they ended up winning, uh, splitting the money evenly amongst the players. So, you know, that unfortunately is a unique experience that not everyone feels as a beach soccer player. Um, you know, with the MLS, the MLS isn't naive to, you know, wage gaps and, you know, who gets paid the big bucks and who gets paid just enough. Um, And I think that's, you know, that's a similar experience for beach soccer players. Unfortunately, 
you know, you don't always get things paid for. You, you may not necessarily be able to live off a beach soccer player's salary, depending on where you're at, where you're located. Um, and like you said, it's, it's about the experience. And if, you know, if it's progressing to a, to a point where someone realizes they can make a living off playing beach soccer and growing the sport like that, that would be insane. Yeah, for a lot of people, it's, it's really about it's really about for playing for the love of the game for a lot of people. Let me tell you what, just like they started this street football league, if, if they started a street soccer league around here, I'd probably be playing it. That's facts. The fact if that you, you love the game. If you bring it, they will come. That's right. Boys, I appreciate having you on. You guys have been fantastic. Uh, it's three hours earlier for me, so we got a little night, night podcast episode from you guys. I'm sure you guys aren't new to that. Um, but I appreciate you guys coming on. Why don't you go ahead and plug some things so people know where to find you? All right, cool. Yeah, guys, this is Blem. Go ahead and follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, MLS Gone Wild. Please interact with us every once in a while. We put up polls. Uh, we, we post fun segments from our, our, our podcast. So check our stuff out on social media. Our podcast is everywhere where you can find hashtags, spread the sand as well. MLS Gone Wild on Apple spotify anchor wherever subscribe rate review uh, that helps more than you guys may know dylan it's always a pleasure my friend this has been such a fun podcast i'm excited to continue listening to the podcast episodes that you put out continue spreading that sand and i can't wait until we can get on the sand again together in the next sand soccer tournament here in virginia beach man yeah, I appreciate it, Dylan. Honestly, I mean, I didn't, I couldn't meet you before because you know it's the first time. You know, we did it because of Blim and Mike D. So I remember that uh, was that Instagram live video that we had because Orlando. <laughs> oh, I'm not talking for them, but I mean, they've been pulling it out. So I've been impressed with them. But I just appreciate it, and then your, especially with your podcast too. It's gonna bring a lot more in the future with everybody else. Also, I appreciate you having us on here today. Yeah, guys, yeah. you guys have been you guys have been dope, and the fact that we were able to kind of cross promote the MLS and beat soccer has been sick. So appreciate y'all. Yeah, it was a it was a tough thing to do, to be honest with you. You know, we had to be a little bit creative in how we did it because there's not a lot out there. If I was ever going to ask an MLS podcast group to come on, it was always going to be you guys. Uh, wow. Yeah, for real though, if you're my, to my listeners, go check out MLS Gone Wild. Uh, if you're interested in the MLS in the slightest. They bring their unbiased opinions to the Columbus crew. Um, but in all seriousness, they bring some great content. And they're, they're thriving off some interviews of, you know, the top talent in the MLS and the likes of Alexi Lawless, who I enjoy a good verbal joust from, and I think they brought that. So go check them out. Uh, they've been nothing but great. And, boys, I appreciate the love. And, uh, again, I just can't wait to see you all whenever that is. Soon, my friend. Very soon. Much love, buddy. Much love.